Hello, welcome to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. And I'm Parks Miller. And today we are talking about the Swing Revival. We've been sitting on this one for a while. We've also had some folks, you know, ask us to do this. It's going to be a, this is a, a heavy dump. There's going to be a lot of info here, a lot of, uh, a lot of history. Cause it, it's, you know, it's swing music, jazz. It's like, this is like a true part of Americana and American pop culture. And it would be a disservice to not dive into the background of it, you know, to put the revival into some sort of context, but the swing revival, for those who don't know what it is, it's. Basically, in the 90s, there was a resurgence of swing music in the kind of like 1930s, 40s lifestyle, fashion. And it seemed to kind of like it started as an alternative, like counterculture, kind of like punk rock movement and then exploded into the mainstream and then very quickly fizzled out, making it the perfect culture dump. And yeah. there's there's also all sorts of like stuff that we, you know, we'll be dissecting it pretty intensely towards the end but there's you know like cultural appropriation stuff happening in here there's just like complete ignorance stuff there's like just goofy styles goofy what are you doing there's like a cosplay aspect to the swing revival and you know I'm, I'm in the middle of this like non no drinking fucking deal here and I gotta you know after go ask Alice I figured I needed to uh you know take a step back and look at my life so so you know I, I've been I've been keeping my act pretty clean but I gotta say the swing revival almost brought me back to the drink <laughs> yeah you want you want like a gin martini now yeah yeah you know you or like a, a bottle a of beer put, or whatever the fuck <laughs> that they, they talk about uh but, i'm gonna i'm gonna refrain i decide i'm gonna refrain from doing any uh characters because i just don't <laughs> think it's gonna end well I was, kinda, yeah. I was kinda cringing at my edm bro from go ask alice and i think that you know there's just better people uh, Jim Carrey being one of them, pretty much anyone who's actually attempted to be an actor for any amount of time could probably do a better and funnier, uh, like oh, little you swing. Think, you think a professional actor could do better than you? <laughs> hey, not all the time, but right. Um, this this one, I'll give it to you guys out there. Right. Um, and I can't wait for because one thing I love is sometimes when Ryan does these definitions, like let me tell you what a parade is. So I, I'm excited for his definition of what swing music is. Well, yeah, let's get into it. There's a lot. There's yeah, a lot yeah, there, there's a lot. And also, you know, if we don't give you this, like, you know, the hefty backgrounds on some of these topics, obviously not all of them, you know, need it. But if, if we don't, then it really you don't get the, the culture part of the dump. You just get the dump. You know what I mean? Of course. Right. And, and also, I mean, it's it's worth it is worth mentioning because swing is I mean, there's just a lot of different types of like jazz music and it, it it kind of is like it is a specific sort of thing in a broad umbrella of like quote unquote you know old timey music yes yes um, and it's it's come back and it doesn't leave i mean and there's all sorts of you know remnants of the swing revival but anyways what is swing music the earliest examples of swing music as we know it were written and performed in the 1930s, but the genre began to form in the 1920s. As jazz and dance orchestra music gained popularity, musicians began combining the two genres. While jazz was usually performed by small groups of musicians, dance orchestras were fully loaded orchestras. Duh. As the two styles of music merged, several new dances were created and the popularity of the nightclubs featuring this music exploded. The problem with people dancing to these songs, as well as the venues getting bigger and bigger, was that the music was becoming less audible. One fix for this problem that led to the era of big band and swing was to replace certain instruments with brass instruments, such as replacing the stand-up bass with a sousaphone or a tuba. Another fix was to add more musicians to each section of the band. So, yes, as more people were, you know, filing into these nightclubs, doing all these dances, a lot of these songs were, were known as like a stomp, you know, and it's because, yeah, you would stomp on the ground or you'd pick your partner up and slam them down. And this was drowning out the music because they didn't have big PA systems and sound systems back then. So how do you make your music louder? You add more of it. 
that's that's kind of what leads you into swing and big band and the two are kind of interchangeable but you know you can have a big band and not play swing but if you're playing swing chances are you have a big band that that's kind of the differentiation there so the reason why this style of music is known as swing is because of the emphasis on the offbeat, giving the songs a strong, danceable, swinging-like rhythm. Also, they had like call and response style lyrics and crowd participation parts, which kind of, again, gives it this pulsating rhythm behind it, like, whoa, whoa, like that kind of shit going on there, in case you don't know what call and response is. There are a lot of people involved in creating swing, such as Nat King Cole, Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Etta James. I mean, it goes on and on and on Benny Goodman I mean I mean you could name these things forever but just for a really quick example of what swing sounded like at its birth we're gonna play you a little snippet of Duke Ellington's it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing it don't mean a thing all you gotta do is swing Makes no difference if it's sweet or hot. Just give that rhythm every little thing you've got. It don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. The dance crazes that went along with swing music helped galvanize the era. There were several dances that went hand in hand with swing music, such as the Lindy Hop and the Jitterbug. And as swing swept the country, so did the dances. There were contests, performances, and even rival dance groups. The dancing of the swing movement is the biggest part of the swing revival, and it's also like the coolest and most wholesome aspect. It's like the one thing that's like still stands, you know, stands the test of time. You know what I mean? But also, you know, with the Lindy Hop, like you fucking found out some shit about the Lindy Hop, like going back yeah. to some some yeah, other like shit. Yeah, like very random. This is just a side. Uh, I mean, I guess since I included the dead and Dylan into one of the uh, the squirts on Patreon, um, but the the one of the most famous dead songs, Truckin', is very very loosely kind of tied back into the Lindy Hop, whereas the Lindy Hop kind of evolved into other slang of and there was i think just a slang of another type of dance called trucking or maybe even the linden hop lindy hop was referred to as trucking right but it kind of turned into this other thing of just meaning like these big exaggerated steps and then uh our crumb the uh famous like underground yeah comic the underground comic artist. artist yeah yeah he had he made this uh this image that was it just said keep on trucking and it's just this this great picture of this guy and he's just taking these huge steps so it's not even really dancing it, at some point it turned into this thing of just having like big steps with your hands in your pocket it's just a great little cartoon that's he made. like cab calloway stuff like he was yeah. famous for for doing that like a big hat big jacket like big long and then like that would later be right, picked up right. in like tex avery cartoons which we will get to when we get to the the film portion of this yeah but i also you know first of all the grateful dead song trucking i always thought was about trucking <laughs> you know? right and, <laughs> and i know and i it is about trucking too because they're a rock band and they're going around but I think that because our crumb, I guess he kind of took the trucking of the Lindy Hop and sort of was it sort of was kind of turning into its own like repurpose in its own meaning of trucking of just being this vague sort of like sixties slang. I mean, it probably had something to do with drugs or just being high. It's like right. keep on trucking, man. So then the dead kind of took that. And then it's like this kind of weird thing where the yeah, the trucking of the a big truck that you would think driving down the road to the next gig is kind of like the big main one. But then they always like when they could throw in this weird little extra side. Yeah. The old blues you know. and jazz references, you know, and crumb was super famous for that. Uh, yeah. And also folks on our Patreon, we do have a new little side series called docu dumps where I break down my favorite documentaries. I will most definitely be doing the criterion collection version of the documentary crumb about that artist, but back I to the matter at hand. Yeah. I love I love that documentary and, and our crumb is amazing. Insane. Yeah. So the golden age of swing music is known as the swing era and lasted roughly between 1935 and 1945, which is about as long as the revival lasted, just a decade there. As World War II came to a close, so did the swing era. Swing was replaced by more stripped-down versions of the genre like jump blues and bebop. This is also right around the time that blues was beginning to transform into rock and roll. It's also worth noting that country-western musicians began utilizing parts of swing and big band, and the western swing sound was born. Western swing 
filming is awesome and it's super super dance hall stuff that's like mm-hmm. you know yeah. when you like these swing dances could be you know utilized in all these different genre breakoffs of the initial mm-hmm. swing movement but which which is cool and again the dancing is like the the anchor point of this whole thing yeah it's like instead of a saxophone and a really nice suit it's a fiddle and an and a awesome big old hat. cowboy hat but then yes. the music's yeah i i've listened to a little of the western swing and i was really surprised i i had not heard it before right and i was surprised at how close it really is to jazz music and not country exactly so elements of swing could be found in several musical movements throughout the next few decades, most notably in the crooner movement of the late 1950s and 60s, which is also known as swing pop. That's like your Sinatras, your Deans, basically the whole Rat Pack, that whole sound where there's a giant big band behind a single singer. Um, but it's not necessarily swing music because it doesn't have the same kind of rhythm, whereas the rhythms of swing led to the creation of like doo-wop and rockabilly, uh, you know, where it's like boom, 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 boom. And I won't be doing that this whole episode. I swear that's the only time I need to actually that get it. It's like not the Scatman episode. All right. We, I had my chance to scat and I fucking I, I used it to my advantage. Swing music never truly went away. The swing music, you know, it, it earned a reputation as being a classy style of music reserved for performers popular enough to be granted the budget to have a big band back them and for audiences wealthy enough to attend the lavish events that would host such acts. But in the 1990s, swing would come back in a big big way we're getting into the swing revival now the swing revival aka the neo swing movement or retro swing movement was a cultural phenomenon that occurred throughout the 1990s during which big band swing and an overall embrace of 1930s 40s and 50s aesthetic and culture came back into vogue with a vengeance now Swing revival falls in line like and under the same umbrella as like the rockabilly movement that was happening. There was like a retro country movement called like cow punk and all that mm-hmm. stuff gets looped in together. You know, like Brian mm-hmm. Setzer kind of like started it in the 80s with like the Stray Cats, even though Stray Cats were formed in the late 70s, I believe. But by the time they got huge, you know, there was this fascination with the 50s and then that gets pushed back even more, you know, and these these aging punks looking for a new scene kind of find it in these throwback acts, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like kind of rebelling against everything that punk had become this like disorganized, super loud, crazy, you know, off the wall kind of shit. The older punks were revolting against that by going for a more refined look, refined style, more disciplined sound. And, you know, kind of like alternative clubs, you know, where the dancing was a big thing and the music was harder, you know, punk was also getting really mainstream. And then you started had pop punk too. So I could see how that could be something where if you were coming up in the eighties, maybe, you know, Green Day wasn't your cup of tea. So then if you think that that is kind of, you know, in a very mainstream sense, you know, if that is now the the new face of punk, then you're looking for a different thing. And then a, it's yeah. a classic move to when finding an identity, you go back in time. Yeah. You think about the, what was the thing that maybe my parents listened to that now that I've spent enough time rebelling against i'm starting yeah to, oh that that swing shit was kind of, that frank sinatra was kind of cool or whatever. well what happens is you start rebelling against you, you stop rebelling against older people and you start rebelling against younger people you know mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> like you you, you kind of want to separate yourself from that because a like as you get older you, you know these the thing the, you used to hate <laughs> right yes exactly you'll look like this too kid but it's like the clubs are getting too rowdy you know what i mean and like you know too grow and you kind of like outgrow that so you start finding yourself in these more you know this more refined kind of swing rockabilly kind of scene where the the style is a lot you know uh, again more refined more put together uh there's there's kind of like a set of rules almost because you're trying to fit into this very specific aesthetic and Mm -hmm. kind of like cultural movement from decades ago so again just like cosplay you know it's like well no you have to have this this and this and like whereas you know all the music or not all but a majority of the musicians that were you know basically very influential in starting the swing revival. They were all punk rockers and this was kind of their evolution into continuing the alternative tradition. Right. But then what I think is kind of interesting about it is that then it seems like once this swing revival started getting going, then it seems probably that then there was this influx because you had the dancers and that, that element. And I mean, I'm sure that there were some people who just, maybe were into moshing and got into swing dancing. But I think that 
there was also just a thing of like, oh, I'm into swing dancing and now it's picking up. This is great. And so there right. was this, like you said, this this punk alternative roots. But then I feel like also then there was just like the jazz band nerd that yeah, was like, like the secretly loving yeah. it. And then all of a sudden it's blowing up. So then those two kind of sort of disparate things start to merge together as it gets steam. Exactly. Now, there are several elements of the swing revival. There's music, fashion, movies, and television, each having their own impact on the trend. The swing revival began in California in the late 1980s. There was already a fascination in American alternative scenes with retro music and fashion that had bled into all forms of pop culture. So the next logical step was to push the fascination even further back in time. Whereas in the 80s, you had this like great rockabilly, you know, kind of like 50s, like greaser thing that was happening. And then when that gets played out, it's like, well, let's go even further back. I'm surprised that like it didn't get all the way back to when people had like horse and buggies and essentially punk rockers yeah. are now just like on because like they're just revolting and revolting until like they're literally cavemen like by pushing everything further and further back but then but then you kind of i mean then you had steampunk which seems to visually be going to that kind of right yes more and more niche stuff Right, right. right, and you have like the Edwardian uh, type people that like you know go for like the forties and all that stuff. But yeah, so it's mm-hmm. it's basically this natural process of alternative culture looking further and further back in time for some kind of reference to do something new. And again, like in the in the eighties, it was all nineteen fifties with like Stray Cats and the Outsiders movie, you know, and even Grease, which came out in nineteen seventy eight. So it's right in that pocket there. You mm-hmm. know, there, there was a lot of that that stuff going on. But once the nineties hit, they needed something new and fresh, right. so it goes even further back. I think in the video, um, in the clip at the beginning of the show, there is um, that interesting. There's basically someone saying the two things was grunge and hip hop. You know, those right. were and those were just these two very big current 90s movements. So if you if that wasn't what you were into, you right. know, then exactly. That was taking up a lot of the, the mainstream space there. Yes. And uh, again, you know, it's like with with the swing revival, there was this rebellion against the kind of, you know, rough edges of punk and like alternative culture, you know, that had already been laid out. So like the swing revival, some could say is kind of in direct opposition to the grunge movement. Cause on one hand you have like, don't wash your hair, rip fucking jeans, who gives a fuck. And then you have the swing mm-hmm. revival where it's still made up of like, you know, punks that are looking for a new, new kind of sound, new thing. But there are things right. like, no suits, slick back hair, good drinks, like fancy cars. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn the steps. We, we play horns. We play tight. We're right. not like three chord punk bands anymore. But- then they bring in the goatees and the goatees <laughs> and the soul patch. That wasn't part of the original movement. No, but there's always going to be a little tweak here and there. There's a lot of that. Yes. Well, it, cause again, it's cosplay. So it's like people pretending like they're in this era that they were, are so far fucking removed from. So it's kind of right. like, what do you do? You know, it's like when you go and like to the Halloween store and see like a hippie costume or like a pimp costume. And it's like, they don't look like this. You know what I mean? Like, like in real life, these costumes, they don't look like that. But that's the, it's the costume, you know what I mean? And the the kind of like caricature of the people that these, you know, the people, the swing revival movement were, you know, taking after. It, it's literally just like a dumbed down version of that. Yeah, I really like this, like the cosplay thing, which I hadn't really thought about. But then that kind of makes sense because, you know, um, you have and also, I mean, oftentimes, you know, a lot of things back, you know, in the 20s, like you're going to have sort of like a black and white picture. You're not necessarily going to have as much of the color of right. Of the the reference of so, what it actually looked like. Yeah. And that is something that I've noticed in the swing revival of the uh, the aesthetic of the visual that kind of always turned me off because I was like, this is just so much more unnecessarily colorful than the original thing. But now right. when you put it in a cosplay kind of context that makes sense of just trying to make everything as vibrant as possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. These people are not from the fucking 40s. <laughs> They're from the <laughs> 1990s. So, no, you're not going to look like you're from the fucking 40s because you're fucking not. So if you try and dress like right. that, you're dressing like it's like you can look like you could drive the right car, have the right suit, the right hair, have a martini glass, the right shoes, the music, everything. But when you walk outside, there's a fucking 7-Eleven next door to the club. You know what I mean? It's like you're still in the fucking 1990s, dude, and you're going to fucking look goofy. And, and that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. And then and I mean, 
I know like Swingers, the movie, which, you know, we'll get into like a deeper thing. But one little element of it, I rewatched it, is that, uh, you know, they're kind of doing this. It's these guys doing this kind of swing lifestyle. But then right. when they're at home, they're just wearing like hockey. They're just playing that fucking hockey video game. And right. so they're very 90s. So it's very apparent that like it's just this thing they do when they go out, you know. Right. It's cosplay. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So there were several bands that <laughs> fell under the swing revival umbrella. The movement is considered to have been started by a small elite group of musicians. In Los Angeles, you had Royal Crown Review and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, who were the first to really bring back swing music and style in a contemporary and alternative sense. They also stuck to the true sound of swing and rockabilly. In San Francisco, there was LaVey Smith and her Red Hot Skillet Lickers, who brought back the jazz vocalist and blues influence, along with a strikingly authentic visual aesthetic. Then there and was then there also just the... To, the and the, yeah. there just happened to be this trend of each band has to have a shittier name than the next one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't even gotten to the bad ones yet. I'm saving, I'm saving the two the worst bad. ones. They, yeah. they, they get worse. But there but was also you know, Brian Setzer Daddy. Orchestra, which was founded yeah. by Stray That's Cat's fine. front man. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, Brian Setzer is kind of like the retro king. He started the 50s fascination in the 80s and kind of headed up the swing revival in the 90s. Mm-hmm. He is kind of like our retro savior, uh, if you want to consider him that. But one of the biggest acts of the revival was not from California, rather Eugene, Oregon, the cherry poppin' daddies yeah. who lent a punk and ska tinged <laughs> edge to the swing sound. Now the, the cherry poppin' have, daddies. T- times have changed because <laughs> I don't. I mean, no one, <laughs> no one thought that was weird, and it just or it was like by, cool. You know what I mean? It yeah, was like cool I because mean, it was kind of like racy. You know. Well, the words. I mean, maybe if you were a child, like literally the words. If you don't know what it means, like cherry poppin'. Daddy, Daddies. I don't know. Like, I could s- picture a baby saying that and be like, well, this is fun. And then you're like, oh, my God, stop <laughs> saying that. Put on the cherry poppin' daddy. Yeah, 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 exactly. But then it's like, whoa, what the hell kind of band name is that? Right. Well, and and there's also, you know, the squirrel nut zippers, which is my favorite of, of all right. of these. But the whole thing is like the reason why there's kind of like this underlying kind of crass tinged like vulgarity is because these bands, for the most part, were founded by ex-punk rockers. You know what I mean? That have like this kind of in your face offensive humor thing. But it's just, you know, in a souped up car with a slick back hairdo now. So right. it's still there. It's just not so in your face. It's more like a, of a nuance. But the right. same people that would like just be called like the fucking, you know, the, the Cherry Poppin' Daddies and have yeah. a song called, like, Fuck You is the right. same band called Cherry Poppin' Daddies that do Zoot Suit Riot. It's just a different sound. You know right. what I mean? It could have and easily I mean, just been a punk band. And then also, I mean, all those old-timey songs would have, you know, their kind of body, you know, inappropriate stuff, but it would always be with a, a wink, you know, a double right. entendre and stuff. Right. So I think that they're taking that, but then they're probably, like, being a little more aggressive with it. Because it yes. is the '90s, and we've become more crass at this point. So, also, "Daddy" is a big swing revival thing. Big bad voodoo daddy, cherry popping yeah. daddies, and saying "daddy o, daddy o." Daddy O. <laughs> so the true roots of the swing revival lie in the punk scene. Take the Royal Crown Review, for instance. Their original lineup included brothers Adam and Mark Stern, who had formed the influential punk band Youth Brigade. The swing revival seemed to give aging punks a home in a new scene, something cool that only seasoned and older alternative people could understand and appreciate. The nightclubs that became the center points of the revival were LA's King King and Brown Derby, probably the biggest one, and San Francisco's Club Deluxe. Now, some of these bands like Royal Crown Review and Cherry Pop and Daddies performed at the Warp Tour in the mid in the mid nineties, like ninety six, ninety seven, and this is because there was a huge like surge of ska, you know, that that, that was coming yeah, out, and was, also rockabilly. Yeah. So right. these and two so sounds, you know, got horns. Right, yeah, ska so has horns. Fun. It has roots in older music. It's like there's a tradition there, but it's more elaborate and and a little more dancey. There's ska dances like what is it, skanking and stuff. And then you also have um you have like rockabilly again, big throwback sound, and they have like chucking, which is like not to be confused with trucking, which is like the rockabilly kind of dance, you know, that they do in like their Chuck Taylors, and uh, you know, it so it's a kind of a perfect fit, and people would mosh to this, and it kind of is giving the swing revival its early cred as being like a cool alternative borderline punk rock mm. thing, you know and what the I mean? Music 
the music is very energetic and i did subject myself to uh a lot of swing revival in the last few days to prepare and i did it's it it does yeah i guess it kind of has i mean because some of the music is really fast so i could see how like a punk drummer like that's the thing is is that it sounded so corny to me and i think that that is sort of that cosplay unnecessary sheen where i would rather just have the old gritty sounding one from the 20s right um but it seemed like all right if you were the drummer this would be a lot of fun to be in this band Right. It seems like fun for everyone except the horn players because playing horns fucking sucks. They, they're always waiting around, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of standing carrying mm-hmm. heavy shit. So initially, the music of the swing revival was reserved for those cool enough to know about it. But as the 90s crept on, swing found its way into several popular films. This is where you get your huge push. Yeah. You swing kids, the mask swingers. Also, a lot of gangster films helped, not necessarily mm-hmm. with the, the music per se, but like the lifestyle and the hey and the bowling shirts and the style and like kind of like the class act aspect of it mixed with being like a bad rowdy guy you know what i mean the macho it it was kind of like trying to redefine you know manliness which is actually because i watched the mask and swingers recently and uh noticed elements of that i mean essentially the main character in both those movies are kind of these like loser guys and they can't they can't right. get a date to save their life kind of thing. Well, they're and loser guys because they're fucking all into swing in fucking 1995. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. So in, in Swingers, it's like Vince Vaughn's character is the cool guy who's trying to help, you know, um, the main character, you know, get a date. Favreau, and, yeah. And then and then the, in The Mask, it's Jim Carrey. It's The Mask that lets right. him, you know, be his uninhibited self. And so both of them have this very kind of there's honestly like a pickup artist vibe, which I could totally yes. see. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm weaving. There's a fedora conspiracy in here. Cause there's, <laughs> it's like the ska and then there's the swing and then there's the pickup artist and then there's the gangster. And they're all like, the fedora is like coming in hot and like given this new life in the nineties. But here's the thing, not to, this isn't like pickup artist advice, but really when it comes down to it, it's like, if you wanted to be, this like cool, attractive guy, you just, you needed to put in the effort and learn how to do those insane dance moves. Because then you are like unquestionably doing something that most people can't do. Right. But also the dance, the dance became a mask in and of itself because it became like, like for instance, like Vince Vaughn in a lot of fucking movies always plays like the oversexed kind of like douchey character. Like I just mm-hmm. watched Wedding Crashers. He, there's a dance scene in that. You know what yeah, I mean? And then yeah. of course swingers and stuff. And the the swing dancing, and I could totally see this. Obviously, I wasn't there during all of this going on in, in the Brown Derby and stuff. But I could see mega douchers, like pickup artist style guys, like just like the worst using the swing to kind of cover up their douchiness. Like, like this is how like they bring you in like, Oh, only like a nice guy would know how to do Mm. these very intricate partner dancing, you know, which it, which wasn't necessarily popular. So it's like, Oh Mm -hmm. yeah, I'll spin you around, do an air step by the way, which is what it's called when you like fling your partner in the air. But also you can't just walk into a place, take a girl by the hand and start doing these dances. Cause if they don't know it, you're just going to fucking like throw her around the room. You know what I mean? (laughs) So there's like a, a kind of joined effort, that you know that that's happening there but when you talk about uh fedoras and all this i'm thinking like <laughs> imagine harry potter right so uh-huh. you have all of, you have like a whole bunch <laughs> of ska kids swing kids fucking you know uh, yeah and, and it's like the sorting hat you the know from harry fedora. potter yeah it's like you, you go up there and it's just like swing revival yeah. it's like mm, i can't really tell Ska! And like you you go you get put into your houses depending on what music you're gonna wear your fedora and listen to. Yeah, and then you, some people just get the pickup artist and Yeah, pickup what, artist. Everyone's like uh. <laughs> So what what uh, yeah, the major thing with these movies though, it with the exception of a couple, is that it's mostly about two guys trying to get laid. One guy has no problem with it, one guy has a big problem with it. But one of the seminal films of the swing movement is the 1993 film Swing Kids, which was, you know, it was this 
major kind of cultural thing that is the first of the swing revival movies. It stars a young Christian Bale, and it's about two young boys in Nazi Germany who love swing music, but they have to keep it a secret as by day they are members of the Hitler Youth against their mm-hmm. you know against their will. And right. the film featured a soundtrack with all sorts of classic swing artists, and it really spoke to the rebellious rebellious attitude of the music and those who enjoyed it. Uh, you know when swing started. So right. it's not, it's also, this isn't revival territory yet. This is like taking in, place in the thing. Yeah. Right. Right. But you know that I gotta say, yeah, between all the swing revival movies, this is kind of like the least fun sounding one. Like I, I don't, I won't take Hitler Youth over Jim Carrey. Like I'm gonna take the Mask over Hitler Youth movie right. any day of the but week. It's, but it's probably the most actually. Accurate. It's probably the best if, one. <laughs> I mean, you know, everyone knows the Mask was fake. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't really happen. Yeah, no, no, the mask would not really happen. But so getting I, to the mask, 1994, yeah. the Jim Carrey film, The Mask. It's essentially a live action Tex Avery cartoon with a slick style, classic dance sequences, and a gritty, like a gritty retro aesthetic. So you have kind of like this noir. That's that's the problem. It's everything about the revival is so clean and not right. Gritty. Well, I mean, well, it's juxtaposed. So it's like you have right. the mask in his his yellow suit and his big green face and all the neon lights of the Coco Bongo and, and all that shit. But then you have like him going to get his car from like the old, you right, know, right. chop shop mm-hmm. and like the city's like all dirty and like, oh, the yeah, cab yeah. just splashed me with a puddle and yeah, fucking, yeah. you know, I'm using newspaper to cover my head from the rain. True, true. And, and, and shit. But the Royal Crown Review performed during the famous dance scene between Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz. Mm-hmm. It's their song, Hey Pachuco, which I will get into what that means later. And the scene, that scene got them a Warner Brothers recording contract, and it also landed them a residency at the biggest swing revival club of them all, the Brown Derby. They later gave up their weekly spot at the club, which was then taken over by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. This sets the stage for the most important like piece of the swing revival puzzle basically. Mm -hmm. So big bad voodoo daddy's residency at the Brown Derby could be considered and is in my opinion, the most important event of the Neo swing movement. Neo swing sounds so harsh. One night at the club, the band met then actor, writer, now director, John Favreau, thus setting the stage for the cornerstone of the swing revival, the 1996 film swingers. Now, Swingers is about two friends in Los Angeles trying to navigate life in the city. While one is suffering through a breakup, the other is living large and trying to bring his depressed friend along for the ride. The lingo, music, style, and attitude of the film all played an integral part in making the swing revival as big as it was. Now, that movie wasn't big right off the bat. It took a little bit of time. It had, like, a cult life, and then it kind of exploded. It's like, no, you got to see this. We're doing Swingers tonight. And, like, it became, like, a a call to arms for, like, this kind of, like, douchey, like, Los Angeles, like, Hollywood fucking nightclub going, you know, old cafe getting breakfast at in the morning after a long night of dancing and drinking kind of thing. And there is slang, like, Vince Vaughn always says like oh that's money your money baby your right, money right. and dude if you say that if you say that around me i'm kicking you out of the party like don't don't come in and be like dude that's like i'm looking at my wall right now it's like oh nice liberace albums man that shit's money like you're out <laughs> I, I just i actually i think i started saying that this week you started saying money <laughs> <adopted> no. <laughs> um, no but, but also uh yeah, that movie and what something I noticed is, the, and what I was getting at before with the the loser guy or whatever is, there's this, there's a nice guy theme. There's this kind of yes, I'm the nice guy, and uh, you know, I guess maybe now we've seen how sort of this nice guy trope, uh, you know, turned out uh, twenty twenty some years later. But it's kind of right. setting that scene, and I think that's going with what you're saying. You're like you're kind of like I'm this sophisticated guy, and I, you know, I wear this all this stuff and like so what's what's the matter why why can't i get what i want or get the attention and right i like dancing yeah yeah there's there's, there's two ways about it there's two ways it's you're either the douchey guy that just like takes the girl by her hand from the bar spins her around and throws her in the fucking air or you're like the may i have this dance and like they're like oh damn i'm surprised you know these moves and then you like fall in love which is what happens at the end of the mask or your stanley ipkiss you know yeah (laughs) in life yeah. We are uh, we are but two things. We are either the mask or Stanley Ipkiss. Yes, exactly. Uh, real quick though, we're gonna play a little bit of Big Bad Voodoo Daddy's hit song from the era, like that. I believe it's what they're performing in the movie. It might not be though, but this is their big hit. You, me, and the beer makes three tonight. Drink. 
The American public was on the verge of a major cultural movement, but there was still one last push needed to make it the craze it became. This push would occur in March of 1997 with the release of the Cherry Pop and Daddy's hit song Zoot Suit Riot, which reached number 41 on the Billboard chart. In April of 1997, another swing revival group, the Squirrel Nut Zippers, also reached the Billboard chart and went platinum with their hit Hell. Now, the swing revival is is in full swing, uh, so to speak, mm. but by this time, and the. <laughs> the thing is with Cherry Pop and Daddies is they were a punk band and they had like albums that came out before this, which were a mix of a lot of different genres. But on each of these albums, there would be maybe one or two tracks that were like semi swingy. Mm. So when, when they got signed, their manager was like, hey, you guys should put out an album where you take all of your swing songs from all your other albums and then fill up the space by writing some new ones. Zoot Suit Riot being one of those new songs that they wrote. Mm-hmm. But the Squirrel Nut Zippers, they had actually released their song Hell in 1996, but it took Zoot Suit riots popularity to get that song on the on the charts Mm -hmm. so basically squirrel net zippers are kind of like the first to break the actual billboard chart or or not but they were the first to write a song that did whereas cherry pop and daddies were the first to hit the charts squirrel net zipper actually released their song first this is the whole thing it really doesn't fucking matter but let's take a quick listen to what i think is the best hit song of the swing revival hell by squirrel nut zippers you could be headed for the serious drive. Now you make the scene all day, but tomorrow there'll be hell to pay. People listen attentively. I mean about future calamity. And then just for reference, and I, I know so many of you listening have heard this, but we have to do it. So this is a little bit of the Cherry Pop and Daddy's Zoot Suit Riot. Well, I just want to talk about those songs real quick. So, first off, um, the Cherry Pop and Daddy song, which my friend John reminded me, is that that was on Now One. Now that's what I call music, <laughs> Volume One. Damn. So, that, so that's like the the big imprint of the time. Um, that might as well be ancient to be on Now nut, One. Right. Yeah. There's like seventy or eighty of them. The Squirrel Nut Zippers. We've both agreed is our favorite of yes and and for me and i got and this i hate to say it, but like the thing to me is that because it doesn't sound so modern but it's just that all the other bands it just sounds like they're playing this old music but using the most modern equipment and technology to record it and so right. it just gives me this weird uncanny feeling and i feel like the squirrel nut zippers there's just something a little rough about it it's more it's more authentic, I, I feel like. And like, yeah, when you watch they're the, also the not music just video doing too. straight swing, like they're kind of incorporating other styles like ragtime and blues. So they're lounge kind of, they're, exotica they're kind of making more of their own style, whereas the other bands like you just there's that progression. It's like the. Yeah. And I just was listening and I felt every yeah. band was just I was just hearing that thing over and over again. Right. Well, and Cherry Pop and Daddies, you know, that they've been interviewed so many times, like right around when they exploded and like they stick to their guns and being like, we're not like a retro band. We're not like a throwback band. Like mm-hmm. we just happen to be playing some of these songs that, yes, have like an old kind of authentic feel, but that's not what we are. It's like, dude, like, stop. Like, yes, you are like <laughs> you. You lost the ability to say you're not a swing band when you fucking put on the suits. You know, right, like once right. you go full tilt with the fucking style of it and you're wearing the suits and doing the hairstyles and stuff. Yeah. No, you are that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, just, but if you see pictures of Cherry Pop and Daddies before their their swing revival kind of come up, they did just look like any other alternative punk band from the early 90s. But they decided to go with it. And but also at the same time publicly like denouncing the movement and like trying to separate themselves even though it's like nirvana being like no we're not grunge Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like yeah but like you kind of like made this whole thing happen right by being so this thing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's different though it's different when you're actually referring to a style that's already been established you know yes it's grunge it's happening at the time and people are saying what is it it's grunge and you don't you want to resist the label 
But when yeah. literally it was a style of music in the, you know, 50, for decades, yeah, yeah, years ago, it's a little harder to pull that literally card. 50 fucking years, yeah, like 50, 50 to 60 fucking years. Anyway, of this now shit. in 98, Brian Setzer, yeah. so in 1998, the Brian Setzer Orchestra was, which was founded in 1992, released the highest charting song of the swing revival, their 1998 cover of Louis Prima's Jump, Drive, and Whale. The song reached number 21 on the Billboard charts. It also won Setzer a Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. He's a Woodstock 99 alumni. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that this yeah, this was a huge song. And also, you know, normally on Culture Dumps, when we're talking about artists reaching the Billboard chart, we're talking number one, number two, you know, longest, uh, you know, artist to have a number one spot or, you know, three songs in the top ten at once. Mm -hmm. None of these artists really reached that high but to be performing such a niche thing and to reach the numbers that they did was really impressive and they were selling platinum amounts of albums by the year 2000 cherry pop and daddies had gone like double platinum so like the numbers of sales are there it's just not the stuff that you're seeing on like mtv so much even mm -hmm. though you were just not as much as say the stuff that was in the top it's 10 popping up and it's not just one band it's multiple bands so it's it's you know it's you can't ignore it right you right, it, exactly. Now, the next major boost for the revival was a 1998 commercial for Khaki Pants released by The Gap. The commercial featured a slew of professional dancers wearing khakis and performing some of the most challenging steps in swing dancing. This commercial not only sold a lot of khakis, but brought the swing revival to an even more mainstream level. First of all, fuck that commercial. It's fucking whack. But like, <laughs> it, but it, it was super, super popular. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, Swingers was already out. You know, Setzer's song is is on the charts. It's it's going big. Cherry Pop and Daddies are already a fucking thing. You know, you have Squirrel Nut Zipper. So it was like a prime moment for a commercial. You know, for it to reach commercial status like mm -hmm. this, and that really brought it to the masses. You know, because now there was this new cool alternative style of music that like really older folks could get behind. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like. It wasn't like, oh, like that's kind of a catchy tune. It's like, oh, the kids are back into swing. You know, so right. it's like it just opened up the doors for everyone to like it. Like now grandparents, parents, and kids are all right. listening to the mm -hmm. same band. And that's kind of the beauty and the downfall of the swing revival movement. Yeah. You know? Because that's, and that's what I was kind of getting at is where sometimes there's just sometimes if it hits you and then you just do kind of cringe and you, you oh, you say, oh, that seems so corny. But then if you can get through it, then you're like, I mean, it seems just kind of like they're just having fun and doing dance moves, you know? And right. So it, but then it's still just, yeah, not trying to, I don't know. I don't know why. I just you felt, love it. I you felt, love the swing maybe. revival. That's what it is. Don't fucking church it up. You love it. Well, the biggest the biggest moment for any swing revival band, uh, besides, I would say, Brian Setzer performing at Woodstock 99, uh, is Big Bad Voodoo Daddy performing at the 1999 Super Bowl. It was the 32nd Super Bowl halftime show. They performed alongside Stevie Wonder and Gloria Estefan. This seemed to kind of close out the swing revival. <laughs> it, it didn't really go too far after this. Like like one, but once you hit the Super Bowl, where else is there to go? But right. I think a lot of people were confused as well, um, not knowing that that's like an actual band. They probably thought this was like Stevie Wonder's backup band, you know. But actually, <laughs> it was their own band, you know, because it's like a big band with horns and stuff. Obviously, no one cares about the big bad Voodoo Daddy singer singing when you have Gloria Stefan and fucking you know Stevie Wonder on stage. Yeah. So it might have been a little confusing. <laughs> You know, or like everyone was like, wait, where's the big bad voodoo daddy? Like, I just see Stevie Wonder and Gloria Estefan not realizing that, like, no, that's the band, you know, kind of like when I was on acid at fucking uh, watching Roger Waters. I didn't understand that Roger Waters was the basis of Pink Floyd. I was just like, who is he? Why is he a big deal? Where, where is <laughs> How he? did you get yeah, into I, that show not knowing that? I, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know. So by where's, the early 2000s, the Roger Waters. Where, so yeah, wait, I, was, we, I was like, wait, wait so who is Roger Waters? Though? Why does he have all this stuff? Yeah, that, that was like, it was very confusing for me. Big bad voodoo daddy. Yes, yeah, where That's is the big bad saying. voodoo daddy? Like Sounds a, like a wrestler. Oh my God. You know what I mean? So by the early 2000s, the swing revival lost its sizzle and began to fade into obscurity. While most of the main acts of the swing revival movement have since disbanded, others still tour on a large scale. For instance, Brian Setzer Orchestra and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy perform regularly to enthusiastic audiences. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy performs like every year at the Hollywood Bowl, fucking sold out. You know what I mean? It's like it, it got reclaimed by the actual jazz and swing fans. Mm -hmm. It was no longer the swing revival thing 
thing. Now you're just a swing band and the people that like that kind of music are going to be into you. Everyone else that was kind of into it for the fascination sense kind of fell off, mm-hmm. you know, and, and made and made room for the next the, the next trend that these mm-hmm. people would end up following. But what happened? Where is the swing revival now? Is there any remnants of it? Yes, there is. It's most definitely worth noting that right alongside the swing revival, there was another music trend with similar influences. In the hip-hop and R&B world, there was a popular new sound known as New Jack Swing, which combined the production styles of hip-hop and R&B with elements of jazz and swing. The sound was vastly different from the other swing revival and objectively much better. Yeah, yeah, it's way it, it's cooler. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, but that almost kind of where it just seemed like the idea of swing was a genre, but then it became almost just a part of music vocabulary of like having that certain type of swing rhythm, and then it's right. like that in itself, like give it swing. It's like it doesn't have to even remotely sound like that. It doesn't have to have horns. It doesn't have to be jazzy like swing in itself just became like a word for like a way of playing music. Right. And what, and what happened as far as like hip hop and R and B goes is, you know, like a lot of the producers were using these drum machines and a new feature on a lot of these drum machines in the early nineties was the swing feature, which would allow you to program the songs on like a more up down, like give it like that human touch instead of the the super rigid robotic thing. Exactly. And so that that was a huge thing. But also the style is very similar. So basically, you know, swing and all that started in New York and like in Harlem and places like the Cotton Club and stuff like that. And the style was like big suits, you know, big pants, chain wallet, big hat, like Cab Calloway, stand mm-hmm. the fuck out, like make it make a whole thing that started coming back in the New Jack Swing area where you'd see these like hip hop groups with like their turtlenecks and like right, big colored, right. mm-hmm. you know, blazers with yeah, this- with a, a chain, you know, yeah. it's like uh, I think of uh, this is a terrible example of this but i feel like it's the most contemporary like the andy sandberg justin timberlake dick in a box video like they're dressed like new jack swing in that oh if, if you know what i'm talking about that's like the new um, jack swing look and that's the only thing kind of similar between the two different swing revivals like new jack swing and the proper you know swing revival proper well, as, as we'll but call new it new jack swing is a new style yes it's a new style to, that's the thing that the swing revival songs maybe other than scroll nut zippers which is adding a little originality is it's literally, I mean, all these bands they're doing, they're all like have a cover of like mini the moocher, you know, they all are just literally covering the same pool of songs, which, so that kind of does just make it feel super dated though. Talking about the suits, this could almost be a dump, but oversized suits, men's suits in the nineties, just the biggest fucking suits. Like that was such a thing. And I will get into that because it's a very specific <laughs> style of suit that has a lot of history behind it, um, but we're not quite there yet. So New Jack Swing eventually led to other electronically produced styles of swing influenced music. In the early 2000s up to the present day, there are several examples of electronic swing music, sometimes known as Neo Swing. Again, that sounds so incredibly harsh. Just the Neo part is just like, let's just <laughs> stop using that for anything except bad guys. Uh, swing House is another word for it. Electro Swing or Swing Pop. And, uh, you know, examples of this would be like Lou Bega's Mambo Number no. 5. Uh, there's also shitloads of YouTube dance stars like doing like shuffling style dancing. This is a quick example of a neo swing song. So that, I mean, I hate that shit. And it's like very Disneyland, like modern day, like you would hear it in like Tomorrowland and there'd be like a robot band playing Mm -hmm. like swing with like futuristic instruments. That's what it sounds like to me. So then it's like fedoras and dreadlocks and hula hoops all together. 
everything yeah lumped in poi yeah. dancing all, all that shit yeah. and, and like and again more specific dancing but now since we're living in the age of me 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 with social media there's no more like i mean there still are plenty of people on youtube super famous for doing the partnered style dancing but with this like electro swing stuff there's a huge trend of like almost like break dancing where it's like a single person dance to this stuff. And it's like a lot of feet shuffling and that kind of thing. But another post swing revival trend is covers. There's a huge viral trend of people performing modern hits in the style of swing jazz or lounge. Examples of these are like puddles, pity party, which is the clown yeah. guy, like the old school mm -hmm. clown that does it. There's Richard cheese, my favorite. It's more lounge, but still in the same kind of big band. Like I'm covering gin and juice, like kind of deal. And then there's us like probably the biggest one right now is Scott Bradley's postmodern jukebox. They perform all over the world, like major, major stages. This is a example of uh, the postmodern jukebox uh, performing the Carly Rae Jepsen song. Call me maybe. So we know where the swing revival is now. And again, it's a far cry from what it was in the nineties with like the kind of big band influence and actual musicians. And it's definitely more of like a producer's game now, or like reserved for the people doing covers, but let's get into why the swing revival as it happened could not happen in 2021. Now there, you know, by today's standards, much of the swing revival could be considered problematic. For instance, the name Cherry Pop and Daddies tells you all you need to know about the crass vulgarity lying beneath the surface of the retro swing movement. You have to remember though, again, this was like cosplay for punk rockers. So they're still going to like their crude humor. They're still going to like their alcohol, but it's just with a more, it's with a suit on. It's punk rock with a suit on, you know, that that's essentially what, what's going on here. And again, Cherry Pop and Daddies to pop a cherry, to be your daddy. What the hell is going on with that? So the swing revival is obviously one of the whitest movements of the 1990s, more so than new metal or even grunge. There is some fairly blatant appropriation of black and Hispanic culture going on, even though the culture being appropriated was prominent maybe 50 to 60 years before this. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it's like whereas you had, you know, suburban kids seeing rap on MTV and kind of starting to emulate that, mm -hmm. th the swing revival is white dudes watching footage of like the cotton club and shit from like the thirties and forties mm -hmm. and emulating that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's again, it's putting on an accent. It's using slang. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, dress and music and culture that really wasn't theirs, but the swing mm -hmm. revival was super predominantly white, like especially yeah, it, the biggest it, it, acts it of it. it. It got real white. It got real, real around. white. And I, <laughs> I, you know, not to sound like a white guy talking about white uh, shit, but I'm going to. So perhaps the very, the, the biggest, like, not very okay thing about the whole swing revival is the seminal song Zoot Suit Riot. Now, first off, what is a Zoot Suit? A Zoot Suit was the nickname of the style of suit popular among Mexican-American men in the 1940s. This includes baggy pants, chain wallet, oversized jacket, all that stuff. The big suits that you were just talking about, Parks. It's called a Zoot Suit, and it's very specific. Started in Harlem. You know, it was as swing moved to the West Coast, the style came with it. And it became like this very popular style of dressing. Again, Tex Avery cartoons. Think about that. Think about the mask. Uh, think about talking heads. Stop making sense. <laughs> but That's it's little, like, but like I know, it's, like, it's definitely different. Michael Jordan, like he would wear he it was like it got big with athletes, too. Like all well, and that's kind of the new Jack swing yeah. kind of influence. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So both sides of the swing revival are wearing these giant suits. Um, but the, the thing with them is now in World War II, there was a wool shortage. And so it was seen as unpatriotic to wear unnecessary amounts of fabric. So this like basically in World War II, when a lot, you know, the majority of young men in the country were sent off you know, to war. What happened was the United States allowed um, Mexican citizens to come over and take over a lot of the labor jobs and stuff like that, which, you know, now there's a huge influx of these people. You start getting all this totally unfounded, you know, negative press about them being like marijuana addicts. This is why weed became illegal. It was because of the, you know, Mexican laborer influx and stuff like that. And you start like hearing that they're like the menace and stuff. And they were really into wearing zoot suits, It was you know, because they were making better money than they ever had. So they were able to buy these flashy suits. But because it was seen as unpatriotic to use more fabric than you needed, 
like the white people started hating the Mexican Americans even more so because they were like, wow, not only are you taking all these jobs. So when our kid, like our boys come back home, they won't have any, you know, they won't have jobs, but you're also taking up so much fucking fabric that we need for uniforms and flags and all this shit for your goddamn zoot suit. So the zoot suit became kind of this symbol of something to hate and something to be prejudiced against. And it was kind of like a, again, very unpatriotic outfit to wear in the eyes of the people of that time. So, the Zoot Suit Riot. In 1943, there was a series of violent acts against Mexican-Americans in Los Angeles that lasted several days. The riots, as they were later referred to as, were instigated by sailors stationed in Los Angeles. They claimed that they had been taunted by a Zoot Suiter, so so 16 of them hopped into a cab, or a couple cabs, went to an East LA neighborhood, and beat anyone they could find with makeshift weapons. They also tore their Zoot Suits off and burned them in the street. Then, you know, retaliation happened, this lasted for days. Eventually, the military police had to come in and break it all up. And these this became known as the Zoot Suit Riots. And it's like, it, it's, you know, in the 60s, you had, you know, the Watts riots and stuff. This is another example of, of a, a racist, like, like influenced uprising, you know, right. so, so right. to speak. And then, you know, but let's. Let's make a fun song about it. Zoot suit, right? Yeah, I'm it's looking like, at the lyrics. Like, nothing, nothing in the lyrics uh, reference that um, at all. At it, all, it's talking. It's telling you to drink a beer and like have and, fun. Yeah, like, but put, it's talking about this really dark thing. So, I mean, that's why you guys listen to Culture Dumps is because we. That's that's crazy. That's crazy, right yeah. there. That's a bomb. Well, imagine imagine a white band right now playing a song that's like. The Watts riots, riots. It's like, dude, it's like, it's literally the same idea of taking something super serious, but because you think it sounds cool, yeah, you make it into this fun thing fun for thing. other white people to dance to, you know. Well, it's and two now, strikes because then they're this is the cherry popping daddies. So, yes, cherry I mean, popping daddies. They just playing zoot a little suit of that, riot. that controversy, and it, but right. it, it, but maybe yeah, it didn't seem to stop them. I mean, obviously, you know, it was a different time. But also, I think in part because of just the unoffensive nature. The music itself is so incredibly unoffensive. Like right. you said, your grandparents could listen to this and not bat an eye. Exactly. And, you know, uh, the Royal Crown Review, like the song that they're playing during that famous scene in the mass that that got them all huge is called Hey Pacheco, which is what the Zoot Suiters were also known as. So, there, I mean, there's so many themes of like the, this racial you know, unrest and like the, this hate shit from the 1930s and 40s happening within the confines of the swing revival. But no one's batting an eye because, A, not a lot of people were familiar with that history, but also like. It, it just, it's like, well, that happened so long ago. Let's do Zoot Suit Riot. And it's like, dude, no. It's like, this is terrible. And this, like, set the stage for fucking prejudice against Mexican Americans for the fucking next, like, till now. You know what I mean? It's like, it, the roots are so deep there. But what does it all mean? Well, I can say this about the swing revival. Good music is good music, and great musicianship cannot be ignored. It's not that I think these bands all suck or that they don't have any redeeming qualities. I just think that, you know, like, some things age great and some things age poorly. Things that age great, jazz music, swing music, things that age poorly, the swing revival movement of the 1990s. Like, by the time the swing revival was happening, jazz and swing had such a nice patina on it that it was, like, it was cool. It was this, like, cool underground thing. You could throw on a jazz record at any cool bar, anywhere, and people would enjoy it. But when you take something that's fucking great and golden and you try and redo it, just like we saw with Woodstock 99, just like we've seen with so many other culture dumps, it's not as fucking good. In a lot of cases, it's very bad. Because that's the thing that bothers me about it is that, like you said, is basically the 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 source of it is well, I'm like I can get into this, but then it seems at every moment whenever they decide made a creative decision to add something new and current and '90s to it, you're just like, oh no, get that shit out of there. Right? Yeah, because there's plenty of jazz bands and swing bands. Right. Yeah, exactly. And again, like the music, it doesn't suck. And it does take a lot of talent to play a lot of these songs. We're just saying it's fucking corny. 
<laughs> to fucking put on a suit and call someone daddy o and get a martini, but it's fucking 1997 and like, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It, it, it's just out of control. But folks, that is the swing revival. I'm glad we finally got that one out. Um, yes, Cherry Pop and Daddy's not an okay name. Zoot Suit Riot, not an okay uh, song. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, classic nonetheless. So, folks, if you want exclusive Culture Dumps and Podcast 99 content like bonus episodes, research materials, etc., sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash culture dumps. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at culture dumps. And if you have a suggestion for a culture dump episode, send it on over to culturedumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm Parks Miller. You eat it up, we dump it out.